Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. I don't know about you, but I'm not necessarily willing to go back to normal. As a matter of fact, I'm not necessarily sure what this new normal is going to look like, but I probably don't want no parts of that either. You see, um, the reason I say this is because God, I feel like God is calling us to be abnormal. As believers, I feel like God is calling us to take a different stance on how we interact with the world. I don't know about you, but I can remember back in the beginning of the new year, we started having these uh, talks about outlook and what that looks like and how we should be towards the world and how we should be towards the body and one another. And I haven't forgotten those sermons, uh, and I hope that you haven't either. Um, I feel like God is really calling us in this space to continue the mission that he has given us, even though it may look different in this day and in this hour. Um, because, quite simply, God is calling us to look different. Um, here's one thing for you guys that you might want to take into consideration. Um, how quickly the world has just shifted and changed. Like literally, this unknown thing that no one knew about January 1st uh, has literally shifted the entire world. And it's called economies to collapse, has called thousands upon thousands of people to die. And it makes us see that we are such a interconnected place in the world, even though it's big in mass, it's still such a small place when it comes to uh, how we're connected and how we influence and impact one another. And I don't think it's ironic. I often talk about culture. I often talk about the things that impact us that we cannot see, the things that we divide over that we cannot see. And so as I've been contemplating about this pandemic, uh, I haven't smoke, spoke much about it uh, simply because uh, I just want to sit and watch and see how things unfold. And um, I will say this, if we're going to be the body of Christ that God has called us to be, regardless of how we gather, regardless of how we, uh, we interact with one another, is going to take a concerted effort of us beginning to look at our lives and look at the mission of Christ in a way that we probably have, many of us probably haven't looked at it or how we've looked at it in the past. Uh, the late great apologist, Robbie Zacharias, who passed away um, uh, merely days ago, he said this. We are living in an era when apologetics is indispensable. But at the same time, we need a Christian apologetic that is not merely heard. It must also be seen. In other words, don't tell me what you believe. For those of us who actually share what we believe. Okay, that's a little shade, but this I believe that this this message is going to be a little shady. Um, don't tell me how you believe. Don't open your mouth and say you believe this about God and that about God. Ultimately, what we need to live out in this in, in this season is an apologetic that people can see, that people will know. They're not tracking our feet. They're tracking our hands. They're seeing what we're putting our hands to. They're they're, they're, they're tracking uh, uh, 
the way that we're loving other people, because Christians inevitably, uh, even those who are listening to me right now, will go to church. And so they know where we're going. But what are we doing when we get there? There's another quote from uh, Simon Sinek, who wrote the book Start With Why. And I think this is it's a business book, but I think it implies I think it has many implications to our lives and the way that we live as believers. It says if we are starting with the wrong questions, if we don't understand the cause, then even the right answers will always steer us in the wrong uh, direction eventually. And so the church needs to be driven. Watch this. By what God has called us to do. And I just want to be honest and as candid as I can. Why are we doing the things that we're doing? If you're a regular attender of Northeast Community Church, you know I say this often. Why we do what we do on Sunday mornings? Why do we get up out of bed and come and sing? I know that the Bible tells us that we should not forsake the assembling of the brothers. And, and trust me, nobody's feeling it, the impact of this, like I'm feeling the impact of this. It is extremely difficult to try to imagine you guys' faces as I sit here and speak. And I don't know if certain things that I'm saying are hitting home and I'm thankful for the text messages and things of that nature. But at the same time, this is a extremely challenging and difficult time for me. Um, and also trying to figure out as a group of elders, what is God saying? What is God leading us to do? Hearing the differences of opinion, hearing the medical uh, science say one thing and then uh, uh, the leaders say possibly another thing. And so what do we do? How do we how do we navigate? And then even here in the body of Christ splitting apart about masks or no masks. Do we go back and meet or do we don't go back and meet? And so it's a really challenging time because there's voices all over the place. But I'm persuaded that I hear the voice of God saying this in this hour. You're still called to do what I've called you to do. Now, the method might be different, but we're still called church. Northeast Community Church, I'm seeing churches around the globe pivoting based upon their structure and pivoting based upon the way that they were created to be. And I sit and I look at it and I say, Lord, is it time for us to pivot? Do we need to pivot? And I strongly believe that the model that God has put before us hasn't changed. We've never been about buildings, butts and budgets. We've never been about creating bigger buildings. We've never been about packing more people into those bigger buildings that we build. We've never been about uh, raising funds and money so that we can do uh, the things that are needed for the bigger buildings and the bigger budgets. We've always been about you guys. We've always been about making disciples. And that has not changed. Not one bit, not one iota has that changed. We're always uh, diligent to try and say as elders, what can we be providing the people at Northeast Community Church in order for them to grow? And as you guys grow and as you guys uh, go and make disciples, we'll be fulfilling the Great Commission. So let's do a quick thought exercise. Based on what I just said, let's do a quick thought exercise. What if the world is literally shut down right now because God allowed it to happen. I know some of you guys have already been wrestling with those thoughts. 
Did God allow this? Did God cause this? I'm not going to go as far as saying God caused it, but what if God allowed it for this very reason to get the church's attention? What if God allowed this to get our attention? Think about that for a second. Think about how strong that argument could be, because we know that nothing gets our attention like when people start messing with our money. And like I said earlier, economies are literally falling because of this pandemic. What if God is trying to show us that he's sovereign and that he's in control? What if God is using this time for us to have a literal sit down? What if God is using this time to literally put some believers in timeout? What if God is using this time for us that are too busy for him? Again, I'm playing the what ifs, but what if God is using this time for those who are too busy for him? No matter how you believe about this thing, this one thing we have to agree on, the landscape of the way that the church operates is changing right before our eyes. Literally, right before our eyes, things are shifting. Literally, right before our eyes, things are changing. And what are we going to do with that? And so, if we start with the why, why do we exist as a church? We're a church that still exists for the same reason. We exist to glorify God. Can anybody else finish, finish the mission statement? We exist to glorify God. How? By making disciples. It's that simple. So has he got our attention? Or did he just delay our plans? Did he just disrupt us for two months? Now that some of us are back to work and back to doing the things that we were doing prior, did he merely delay your plans? Or did he allow for you to see that he is sovereign, that he is not playing about his plan, and he wants you. Just a question. Like I said, we still exist to glorify God as a collective body and individually. Like that's what we're here for. And how are we going to do it? We're going to make it by, we're going to do it by making disciples. That's me, that's you, that's the people that God has in your path for you, the impact. And he's wanting us to bring him glory by sharing a message of hope. We just came out of a series where we talked about life after death. And we talked about the brevity of this life. We talked about the reality of hell. What are you going to do with that information? Is it just something that you're going to follow away in the back of your mind? Or is it something that you're going to say, okay, God, show me how to live this out in my present context? It's like the old psalm talks about, I have to serve God in my generation. The Bible said that David was faithful in his generation. So are you faithful in your generation? And I'm tempted to say, and I'm tempted to be challenged to say that many of us in the church right now, we don't even know how to impact this generation. We don't even know where to start. 
It's not like Big Mama's faith where people just had this this this, this basic understanding about God and they were basically grow, they were basically born into the faith. I was born Methodist. I was born Baptist. I used to go to this church. And so people had this understanding because they were indoctrinated and it was indoctrinated in them even if it did not take hold of them. It was indoctrinated in them from when they were younger. But we're living in a generation right now in a time right now where people are trying to find other ways to identify who they are and not understanding that they, who they are is simply identified or, 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 or who they are. The identity that they have is given to them by Christ. And so how do you reach those people? How do you reach the people who have no concept of sin? And quite frankly, they have uh, no conviction over sin. How do you reach them? How do you lean into their lives? You see, this speaks to our apologetic. This speaks to our theology. Do you think God can impact their lives? Do you think it's God's job? Do you think that you have no part in it? What are we going to say in this day and this hour? How are we going to move closer to God so that he can show us how we can impact the world around us? So we exist to glorify God. That's your call. We're going to do it how? By making disciples of all nations. Of all nations. But another question to ask is what? What part do you play in it? As a disciple who makes disciples, what part do you play in God's cosmic plan? Some of us, I get the emails. We want to create more programs in the church that nobody attends. And God is not, God is not so concerned with our attendance if we're not becoming ministers of his gospel grace. If we're not ministers of God's grace, our attendance does us no good. And that's what people are talking about right now. In the church universal world, how do we pivot? How do we track metrics? How do we know people are watching? Or how do we know people are engaging when they're watching? The truth of the matter is we didn't know if they were engaging when they were showing up on Sunday morning. Some of us just have an obligation to show up because it says don't forsake the assembling of the brothers. And here's the thing. I think we're using that out of context right now because we're trying to push a narrative. We're trying to push an agenda. Listen, it wasn't gathering for the sake of gathering. It was gathering for the sake of ministry. It was gathering for the sake of connectedness. It was gathering for the sake of ga gathering strength and being a part of a strength network where other people, and we're going to talk about this in a text in the morning, in a minute. You see, I'm excited about this because listen, I'm ready to be abnormal. I'm tired of church as church was. I'm tired of the status quo. And I'm talking about for my own life. God is looking for extraordinary giftings to come out of ordinary people so that we can then show the world who he is. And it did not stop because COVID-19. So God is not changing the mission. And let me ask this hard question. This is a difficult question. That you're going to be forced to evaluate. What really matters?
Does your life and ministry matter to the church? Let me give you another way of asking it. If you were to move to a different state, if you were to move to a different state and the church wouldn't miss you probably for personality's sake, but what are your hands on in the church that will make the church miss you for their ministry impact? What are your hands on at your job that will make people miss you for the impact that you have on the job and the people around you for the sake of Christ? What about your life would be missed on the cul-de-sac that you live on? Would your neighbors miss you if you had to leave? I'm going to go even another step further. I'm just going to go there because I'm feeling a little crazy today. When you get mad and leave the church and go to another church, would your impact at this church be missed or would your impact at the other church be felt? Just a question. How are you putting your hands to the plow? Our mission has always been that the elders are here to equip you and your hands are the hands that should be effectively doing the work of ministry. How the old thing go? Here's the church. Here's the steeples. Turn it over and here are the peoples. Well, the steeples are gone now. Yeah, we'll be able to gather again, but we're living in a culture where no one cares about our steeples. No one cares about the songs we sing. No one cares about the God we glorify. We care and we should care. But here's the thing. We still should be impacting and engaging our world. We're realizing that as the people of God goes, culture goes. As the people of God, watch this, as the people of God go, as you and I go, families go. And as our families go, our neighborhoods go. And as our neighborhoods go, our communities go. And as our communities go, our cities go. And as our cities go, our states go. And as our states go, our country goes. And as our country goes, the world goes. And I think we've been asleep at the switch, church. Because God has called us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey the word. We have no clue where to get started. Some of us know where to get started. We're just too busy because we are we're, we're following our own agendas. We're following our own plans. And as we take our time to evaluate culture. As we take our time to get involved in other people's lives, as we take our time to try and understand where God's at work and where we can meet him, we will see that God has a prescription for their every need. We just don't feel like it sometimes because we don't know it innately in ourselves, And so our apologetic is scarce. I know this is a hard word for some of us, but it's a hard word because it's a true word. God has called you to be abnormal, church. God has called you to stand out so that others can stand up for him. The world is looking for an identity. The challenge is we end up following its trends instead of it seeing the goodness of God. And here's the thing. If people will see the goodness of God and still reject them, that's not on us. 
But I believe that we're not doing our part. We've been so indoctrinated in the world's way of thinking, in the world's perspective that we can't see with kingdom perspective. We can't see the forest for the trees. And in this day and this hour, I vow to you as your senior elder, as your lead pastor, we want to get to a place where we're all doing what God has called us to do. We want to get to a place where we all have the ability to speak truth to culture. We all have the ability to find our identity in him, find our gift sets in him and to live out our purpose in this world before him. That's my devotion to you. And so I'm not ready to go back to the old normal. I think that's why some of us are, are longing for the old normal. Because we have so many quiet times with God. We have so much empty space that God wants to tug on our heart. And I know some of us are feeling that tug. I know some of us are feeling that pull. And if I can just get back to the old normal, if I can just get back to my busy uh, rabbit, uh, 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 if I can just get back to my busy rat race life, I can hush the voice of God, ready to get back to having a form of godliness, but lacking the power thereof. I'm ready to get back to going to church on Sunday and, 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 and maybe a devotion during the week and feeling good about my life. I'm ready to get back to that. And listen to me, I am not saying that a gathering together, I'm not saying that doing devotions is not a good thing. But if those things are not prompting us to be obedient to God's word and do what God has called us to do, then we're missing the mark. And so I have to ask this question. What has God called you to do? Has he called you to gather? Or has he called you to connect? You see, the power is not in the gathering. The power is in the connected people gathering together. Did he call you to gather? <laughs> or did he call you to use your specific gift set, what he's called you to do within the body of Christ, to connect in the body of Christ? God is pushing us past two to three hour a week Christians. He's calling us to a place where we work together collectively as a body to bring him glory. Let's get into some word. We, we, we already way into the word. Let's get into some word real quick. But when our building reopens church, we need to be different. And this is what we're learning as we trim the fat away. That our vision hasn't changed, but we're just distracted. So are you effective in making disciples? Yeah, no. Are you effective in being a disciple? Yay or nay? And I want to just put this out here. I feel like a lot of us are not effective in our discipleship walk because God is calling us to grow up. Watch this. Ephesians 4.11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. And so here 
I don't, I, this is the part that I don't feel um, just great about, but I know what the word says, that God has given leadership as a gift to the body of Christ. God has given leadership to, as a gift to the body of Christ. Now, in our church, we don't have a really hierarchy of leadership or a hierarchical level of leadership. We have, basically, we have uh, elders, we have ministry heads, and we have uh, small uh, life group leaders. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> like, we don't have a whole lot of just, you have to go through a lot of rigmarole uh, in, in, in our body. And so, God has gifted our body with some phenomenal teachers who lead life groups. Um, uh, he's given us some phenomenal elders who are men of God, of integrity, who love. He's given us a phenomenal prayer ministry. He's given us a great worship team who love the Lord. He's given us all these great leadership. He's given us great student ministry, great uh, uh, um, children's ministry. Uh, and so God has gifted our body with people who are very gifted and very uh, 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 capable of uh, making disciples. And it says their responsibility in verse 12 is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And so the leadership's job is not to enact and do ministry. The leader's job is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And so this is where I have to repent to you. If you are in our church and you've uh, wanted to grow. And somehow our leadership structure has inhibited you from growing. Listen, reach out to me personally. Reach out to me personally. And I want to really talk through through the process and what it means to be a leader. And so you see the challenge that I've seen in the past is people wanted to lead the way they wanted to lead. And then when they weren't given leadership responsibility based on the way that they wanted to lead, that wasn't conducive to the uh the, uh, the vision and the mission that we have as a church, then people have left, but that's okay because they need to find out where they belong. But if I have uh, uh, inhibited you in any way from growing, I want to hear from you. And if I haven't made myself approachable enough, I want to hear from you because this is the thing. My job, Ephesians 4.11, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And listen, I'm going to stand before God on this. And so that's why I'm going to stay in your face about this, because I have to stand before God for this. And so we're equipping the saints for the work of ministry. This will continue until we all come into this such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And so forever, leaders are going to be leading saints and saints are going to be doing the work of ministry. And so, listen, it is a challenge for the rest of our lives that we're going to be growing and maturing in Christ. And if you can't mature when God puts you in time out for a little bit, then maybe your life is too busy. If you can't refrain from losing your mind when ain't nobody around you but your family, then maybe you need time out. God is telling us as a church, folks, to grow up. Somebody say, pastor's throwing darts today. You know, sometimes a hard word is a good word. 
ask the children of Israel. God will wreck his stuff to get his glory. In the book of 2 Chronicles, the children of Israel were about to go into exile. And God's heart was bleeding for his children. He had sent prophets. He had sent uh, leaders uh, to, to lead them in the word. And they rejected it. They rejected it. They rejected it. They rejected it. And God finally got to the point where he says, you know, no, no amount of repentance is going to stop what's going to happen. And God allowed the Chaldeans to come and take them away into exile. God allowed him to put allowed the people to be put to the sword and the temple to be destroyed. The place where he, he was worshipped was destroyed because they were not taking heed to his word. It ain't popular, but it's right. He says in verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. And this is what God is trying to get us to church. He's trying to get us to a place of maturity, a place of looking like Jesus, a place of looking like Christ. So many of us, we think we're mature because we know a few scriptures, but we can't live it out to save our lives. We think we're mature because we uh, 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 we've been in church for a really long time, but we can't seem to get along with other believers to save our lives because we have this word of God that we got last night. But we got it from a podcast of this other preacher that I've been following. And, and, and I think that I know some, some stuff more than another person knows some stuff. And then I jump on social media or I jump in somebody's face and ask them what they know about the Lord. And like I said, Robbie said, the apologetic needs to be apologetic that can be lived. And we're fighting for God's honor and God don't need you to fight for his honor. Under the guise of I'm just delivering the word we have these holy shouting matches. And we have this, this syncretism and syncretism just means that you're, you're taking uh, uh, two different ideologies and trying to morph them to your benefit. And we're arguing fine points of the word to the point where we're parsing the word so much and adding our own uh, conjecture in there. And we're, and, we're, and we're just tearing the other people in the church down. And God is saying time out for that. Why does he want us to be mature? This is what I'm getting to right now. He says we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. We're in a day and an hour where there's so many uh, uh, conspiracy theories and, and new ways of thinking and God is calling for this and God is calling for that because we're so much smarter than the saints of old. Ain't nothing new under the sun. Sin is still sin. The challenge is not knowledge. The challenge is living it out. And we're looking for new truths and new ways of, uh, of knowing Christ. And that's where cults come from. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. And so God is giving leaders, you're going to start, I promise you're going to start hearing messages in this vein. God has given leaders the ability to lead saints to do the work of ministry, 
but it all follows Christ. And so some people start thinking, well, I don't know about that. I've been hurt by leaders before. You see, you what, what, what you don't understand, if your leader is telling you to do something other than Christ has said to do, you don't need to do that. If the leader is telling you to do things that you can't, you can't parse out of the word, you don't need to do that. And so I'm not talking about crazy leadership. I'm talking about equipping to do the work of the ministry. That Christ is the head of the church and the leader is not the head of the church. And so this is why I'm so passionate about this. This is why you should be passionate about this. Because Christ, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Are we seeing a perfected church right now? He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. What part of the body are you? What special work are you supposed to be doing in this hour? You see, the body doesn't function when all its parts don't work. And so we need you to be in position. We need you to be in your present location. No one wants a body part that's dislocated. I've never had a dislocated body part, but I'm sure it hurts. I'm sure it hurts. Maya made me fall the other day, running right down here. I slipped and fell and jammed my toe. It wasn't dislocated, but it felt like it. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. We need you to be in position to do what you do so that the rest of the body can grow. This is your call today. How are you being challenged? Let me help you. Let the elders help you. Let our small group, our life group leaders help you. Let our ministry heads help you. So that we all, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. It just can't be a couple of people in the church that's healthy and full of love. And it starts with me. I know it. It starts with me. As I preach words like this, man, oh man, oh man, I got to step up. You got to step up. We all got to step up and do what God is calling us to do. It's going to take work. Don't just start piling stuff back on your plate because the because the country is opening back up, because our state is opening back up. Listen, God will shut it down again if you got to. Imagine what the body of Christ would look like if everyone owned their part of the vision. If everyone just owned their part of the vision. Our vision has always been, in case you didn't know, is to have meaningful ministry happen where you're sitting right now. Who's sitting in their living room right now? To have meaningful ministry happen on your cul-de-sac. To have meaningful ministry happen in your cubicle. To have meaningful ministry happen at your child's school. To have meaningful ministry happen in your circles of influence. And so that you're influencing people that you come in contact with. And I know we're in a season right now. We're not supposed to be that close to contact. But when we open back up, when we are able to get back in those circles, uh, have meaningful ministry happen there. And we can then impact the world for the sake of Christ, inviting them to know him.
Listen, that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be operating like, functioning like. And some of you are saying, well, pastor, you've preached on this before. We know this. And so what do we do right now when we can't meet? You see, if you ask that question, I didn't communicate this well enough. We are the body, whether we are gathered or scattered. We are the body and the mission is the mission, whether we are in, in, together in the same building or logging on to a Zoom call. Listen, a text goes a long, long way. An email goes a long, long way. A phone call goes a long, long way. FaceTime goes much longer than a phone call for some people. Listen, this is what I'm telling you. You have the tools right now to do the things that you need to do in the place that you don't even have to go. Nowhere. We can now do ministry from the comfort of our living rooms. And we're finding out, just like church services are shorter now, we're finding out that a lot of the stuff that we've been doing has been just kind of, you know, stuff that we do. That it don't necessarily have to be the way that it's always been. And so for people who say, well, I can't lead a small group or I can't attend a small group because I just don't have time. What about now? For the people who say, I don't have time to volunteer on a Sunday morning or, or what about now? The message still needs to go out. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.